Hello, and welcome to another episode of Herbs Herbarium. Sorry, I know it has been a little while since I released my last episode. Uh, I got sick. That's basically all that happened. I got sick and I've been pretty busy with uh, volleyball. Um, But I'm back, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of a lot more of the stuff that I did in college and kind of how I got to where I am at now. So um, I think I mentioned this maybe in my first episode, I'm not really sure, but um, when I first went to college, I originally thought that I was going to go be a doctor, and then I very quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do, and although medicine was still kind of in my mind, uh, the shift to something more environmental uh, began pretty quickly uh, during freshman year. I actually first thought that I wanted to go into marine biology and very briefly had a little panic where I thought, oh my God, have I picked the wrong school? There's no beach near me. I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania. Well, not the middle of Pennsylvania. I'm in Allentown. But, um, you know, I, w- I thought maybe I was going down the wrong path that I had made a huge mistake, but it was okay. I, um, after Panama, I really, it uh, really settled in for me that Marine was not what I wanted to do. Thank you, uh, to SFS for that one. Um, but not saying that I didn't enjoy going snorkeling and the coral reefs and stuff, but, uh, yeah, no, Marine is not my, not my future. So anyway, at Muhlenberg, they, in the biology major, which I had already kind of established that I was going to do, I, in my sophomore year, I, or actually it might have been the end of my freshman year. I don't really remember, but I declared uh, my biology major. Originally, I thought it was going to be chemistry, um, but after I took chemistry, yeah, that was a big no-no. So actually, my freshman year, I was feeling pretty discouraged. Honestly, after my freshman year, I didn't think that I was doing as well as I should have been academically. I went from being you know, a straight-A student in high school to going to college and being a B student, which was devastating to me. Um, I have very high standards for myself, unfortunately. But uh, thankfully, during uh, that second semester there, I was taking the second introductory course to biology at my school, which was taught at that year by Dr. Sprayberry. Uh, She does research uh, with bees, and she's really into neuroscience. She's really cool. And I really, really enjoyed her class. Something, I don't know what it was about her, but something with her and the way that she taught the class just really worked for me. I really enjoyed it. And we learned about plants, of course. And that, I think, was maybe part of the reason, and I just didn't realize it yet. But That was kind of where my love for biology kind of hit me. And I was like, okay, it's okay. I'm making the right decision. I'm in the right school. It's okay. I don't have to freak out as much. And then uh, from bio two, the next semester, I started taking this class that was called, um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was like human use and abuse of the environment. And it talked about, I think it was a historical ecology was the other course. Um, they were, con- they were um, oh, I forgot, what, cluster courses. That's what they called them. Cluster courses were supposed to be an interdisciplinary thing. So one of them was more supposed to be a more sciencey course. And the other was supposed to be um, an anthropology course. And it was really, really interesting. We were in Pennsylvania. We were at the Lehigh Gap Nature Center. And we were learning about 
the zinc uh, factory that was there and how it had kind of devastated a lot of the area around there and how it was being restored and what the nature center there was doing to do that. And there was, gosh, I hate myself for not remembering the exact name of them, but they had uh, a group that was uh, going out in the Lehigh Valley and working with residents and with the people and trying to, um, I guess, raise awareness as to what was going on and trying to find a way to help better restore that area. So it was really cool. And oh, in that class, uh, we got to do a form of research. I don't remember exactly what we were supposed to do. Once again, it was a couple years ago. Um, But I do remember getting to make a guide and I made uh, me and my friends went around trying to discover more about lichen. Turns out nobody studies lichen. No one knows really much at all about lichen, or at least when we were doing it, nobody did. It seemed we could not find any information. Identifying lichen was really, really hard, but we tried to make kind of like a local guide to lichen in the area. And we found out, though, that they are pretty tolerable. They, they, are, they can tolerate a good amount, which was very interesting. Um, and then from there, from those classes, that kind of segued me into sustainability studies where I met my advisor, Dr. Niesenbaum, whose background was predominantly in botany and in plant-insect relations. And he is, congrats to him, um, he's now the department chair. Uh, sustainability studies is now no longer just a minor, it is now a major which I wish I had known that, or I wish that happened while I was in Muhlenberg, because otherwise I would have definitely double majored in biology and sustainability studies. Um, but anyway, I had to minor in it while I was there. But anyway, from that, I got into st- sustainability, which really kind of high-geared me for uh, envir- the environmental route that I have now gone down. And um, I really enjoyed sustainability studies and learning about all the different solutions and different things that were going on and uh, different ideas that people had and ways that we can live sustainably. And uh, one of the other classes that I started taking with Dr. Niesenbaum was this class in which I ended up going to, it was my Mila course where I went to uh, Costa Rica, the one where I studied medicinal plants. And that was also on sustainability. When we were in that class, we were learning about sustainability in Costa Rica, which was very interesting. Um, And through Dr. Niesenbaum and through the way uh, Muhlenberg sets up the biology major, or at least the way it used to be set up, I don't know if it's the same. I would assume it is the same. But at Muhlenberg, the biology major is split up into three different areas. The first area is microbiology genetics, biochemistry, and I don't remember what the other one was, but all the tiny little things that I truthfully was not very good at and as much as I wished I was interested in or wished I understood it better, I just, it just didn't stick with me. Um, Then there was area two that was more like anatomy, physiology, so that was more for like the medical people. And then there were so many different area three classes. It was really frustrating for me because I wanted to take all of them. Um, But that was like the ecology. So freshwater ecology uh, classes like that. It was really interesting. Um, Botany. I took botany, of course. And botany is where I first made my first herbarium. Uh, It was one of the assignments we had to do for class. And it was a joy. I had so much fun making my first herbarium. 
we had to collect, I think, and collect and identify 35 different species. And uh, we had to make the whole entire herbarium. For those of you who do not know what an herbarium looks like, uh, basically in one photograph or one sheet will be um, usually just a blank sheet, but on the sheet you have a pressed flower or plant whatever it is and you have it kind of taped on there or glued on there and at the bottom there's a little description of where you found it who found it the date you found it all that fun stuff and what of course the plant is it's it's fun and I had a joy we would go to different places for this class we would go on little field trips and I would go with my friend Anna my friend Dan we would go around we would just run around collecting flowers little wildflowers and we had a book my favorite book Newcomb's Wildflower Guide and we just went around picking flowers and trying to figure out what they were and I had a ball it was really really fun so fun that I now myself have kind of turned it into my own little hobby I using one of my old lab notebooks started pressing flowers and writing where I had found them and the date that I found them and all that stuff so I actually started a collection I think I started I started it last spring and I did it kind of through the beginning of the summer towards the end of the summer I got really lazy and I kind of stopped doing it but so now I I used to I was walking around um, this one space where my husband and I ran out and there's a lot of open areas and there's a lot of wildflowers everywhere so many I literally I have over oh found over 30 something 40 something different species just in this tiny little area it's insane it made me so happy and totally explains why I hear so many birds and so many bees and it made me so happy um I really had a great time and I'm excited to do it this year to see okay if there's anything that I didn't find from last year if I am finding stuff from this year uh if the stuff that I find this year is different I don't know I I'm really excited to do it this year and I'm gonna I'm, I actually have a new notebook for it my dad got me a journal for my birthday uh, back in September and I, that I'm planning on using for, I'm going to do that this year. Um, but in that botany, uh, that botany class, we didn't just do uh, an herbarium. We actually had to do a plant of the day presentations, which was actually the first time I gave a presentation on red mangroves uh, was in that class. And we also got to, we went and there's a couple ginkgo uh, trees on our campus at Muhlenberg. And for those of you who are not aware of this, ginkgo trees are basically like dinosaurs. There's only one species of ginkgo tree left. They're very ancient. Ginkgo uh, biloba, super, super cool. But their fruits are stanky, very, very stinky. And we actually watched a YouTube video in class about how to roast them or something and how to cook them so we could actually eat them because people do eat them. And so we tested it out. We went to one of the trees and picked up a bunch of very stinky fruit and went back and tried to make it work. And I do remember trying it and it really wasn't horrible. It was actually pretty bad. So um, if you have any ginkgo trees near you, uh, maybe you should check it out. In that class, we also, of course, we made bread. Great time. I think we made like a beer cheese bread. Might have made like a cinnamon bread. I don't really remember, but I do remember them being good that much. Oh, we made a challah bread. Mm, sorry uh, if I'm not pronouncing that uh, 
well enough, but that's how I say it. Uh, anyway, we also made, well, I didn't get to make cider. Those who got to go to Dr. Nisa's mom's farm, um, and I think it's up in Oswego or something, somewhere around there. Uh, they got to make apple cider up there, but we also did get to make um, some beer in class. But don't worry, it was during my senior year. We were all over 21, so no big deal. Okay, anyway, uh, moving on from that. Uh, anyway, um, so I did, uh, not only did I take a lot of classes with my advisor, Dr. Niesenbaum, really small school. He could not get away from me. Um, I also did research with him. So my first time doing research with him was in that Costa Rica class, but my first legit time doing real, kind of real undergrad research um, with him, I I tried my hardest. I really did. Um, it was actually really fun, but I did. I spent my summer, summer 2016, stayed at Muhlenberg, and I got to do research with Dr. Niesenbaum. And uh, at the first, in the beginning, the first like week or two, uh, I was up in actually spending time up in the greenhouse, helping kind of organize things to make life easier for the rest of the summer, going through plants, uh, preparing some plants maybe to get rid of, plants we might sell at like a plant sale or something. And I also learned how to run our aquaponic system. If you do not know what an aquaponic system is, well, I'm going to tell you. So you've probably heard of hydroponics, which is water, duh, hydro, water. Um, but you usually, or if you're really into it, you also can alter the chem the chemical levels, the ion levels in the water uh, to account for specific things that you're trying to get out of your plants. But um, we had an aquaponic system where it's kind of a little bit more of a closed loop where you have a big pretty big tank of fish you could do a smaller tank i'm sure but we had a pretty solid tank of fish of a tilapia actually and through somehow physics dr dr Niesenbaum managed to get a bunch of the pvc pipes had the whole thing set up it swirled around it was a whole crazy setup but i don't know how he did it uh, it was already set up by the time i was doing research there but let me tell you, the tomatoes, the basil, everything that grew there grew insanely well. It was really amazing. Um, and I kind of learned how to run it. So I'm hoping one day to make my own aquaponic system for myself so I can start growing my own food because I think that would be really cool. And then I would also kind of have some fish. I don't know. I just think it would be really awesome to try it out. And that and the worm composting from my last episode. Two things on my to-do list. Um, but I also, I just really enjoyed being, spending that time, spending that summer in that greenhouse. The smell of a greenhouse makes me so happy. I don't know, something about the dirt. I don't know. It makes me, it just, I, I think there's like actual studies on that or something. Like the smell of dirt is good for people who are sad. I don't know, but I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, anyway, but my actual research that I did while I was there was the first research and kind of ignited my little love for bugs that I now have. And so what I did during that time was uh, Muhlenberg has a green roof. Not many people know about it. Like they know it exists, but they don't really know where it is. And truthfully, it doesn't always look that green, but uh, it's filled with a lot of sedums, which they're not like, 
they're not succulents, but they're kind of like that. I, I don't really know how to, they're smaller. I, I, don't, I don't really know how to describe them truthfully, but they're pretty tolerant. So that was why we had them up there. They could kind of handle all the weather that exists in Pennsylvania and as well as handling the heat of being up on a roof. So it was really cool. I really enjoyed it up there. I ended up catching a lot of insects. I got to work with not only Dr. Niesenbaum, but I also got to work with uh, Dr. Martin, who was the, he taught entomology. That was his big thing. Um, so he was my go-to for insect identification as well. And he's the man who taught me how to identify insects, and I will never forget. Now, when I say identifying them, I do not mean that I was actually identifying these things to their species or even their genus. Uh, truthfully, I tried to get to their family sometimes, but let me tell you, it's actually pretty hard. Um, so I'm going to go through so you guys can learn to some of the different insect orders, some of the more common ones, like more common insects that you'll see. So the first one is Hymenoptera. Um, by the way, Tura, P, there's a P in front of there. You just don't really pronounce it, you know, kind of like pterodactyl. Um, so P-T-R-A uh, means wing in Latin. Fun fact. So Hymenoptera are ants, wasps, bees, all that fun stuff, uh, which is kind of why I don't know if you've ever really how hard people have looked at ants or wasps, but you can kind of, if you look at the two of them, you can see how their body structure is similar. And if you've ever seen ants with wings, they literally like they look like bees and wasps. So anyway, oh, fun fact. Uh, one difference between wasps and bees is that bees have like feathered um whatchamacallit, uh, feathered hairs. Wasps do have hairs, but they're more straight. Anyway, uh, diptera is flies. Di meaning two and tera meaning wing. So flies have two wings, but they have this thing. I think it used to be a wing. It's like a modified wing. It's not really a wing though. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name of course now, but it almost looks like a little club. Um, like a, you'll see like a teeny little almost like sometimes it's really thin um but and then there's just this bulbous thing at the end of it but they kind of spin these little club-like things they have one on each side by their wings and that helps them keep their balance while they're flying since they only have two wings um other insects have four okay four wings usually anyway moving on from that um then you have hemiptera which are the true bugs which basically so stink bugs are in there cicadas are in there uh leaf hoppers are in there a couple different it's a pretty large uh group of insects oh my gosh i almost forgot one in my list that i had created here so i'm just gonna throw it in here coleoptera um that is beetles another really big there's a lot of uh different species of beetles. There's like 300, 400,000 species, something like that. Crazy. Check them out. Anyway, moving on from that, there's Odonata, which are dragonflies, damselflies, Orthoptera, which are grasshoppers and crickets, Lepidoptera, which are butterflies and moths, and then you have Blatodea, which are termites and cockroaches. So when I was doing this research, I would catch these bugs a couple different ways. 
first way is I would set up sticky traps that I think I went to Home Depot and got or I ordered offline or Dr. Niesenbaum ordered offline. I don't fully remember, but they were these yellow sticky traps and I would go around uh, on the regular side of the roof where there was no green roof and I would hang them up over there as my control. And then I would go over to the green roof and hang them up around the green roof uh, to try and see what flying insects I could get. And then I also put up ye around yellow and white bowls filled with water and a little bit of dish soap. And I put those again around the two different areas to kind of test them out. And of course, in the end, there were more bugs by the green roof, as one would expect, because obviously there's plants over there. But I found some crazy things. Oh, I found these things called thrips which are in the order Thysanoptera. It's a fun one, Thysanoptera. Uh, but basically, yeah, it was really hard to identify things down to the genus and the species. Uh, it's sometimes actually pretty hard to even identify uh, what the difference between some wasps and some flies. Finding the fourth wing sometimes is really, really hard. It was really interesting. Or even some beetles look like, like, different species try to look like other species. Man, it is, it's hard for an entomologist out there. For those of you who do not know, entomology is the study of insects. Okay, um, so I guess I'll talk now. I'll finish up with some different things that I did in school that were not research, which were hosting events. So hosting events kind of became a very common thing for me. I was an RA, so I would have to do not only programs with my hall specifically, the kids on my hall, but I would also some have to, not sometimes, but I would also have to participate and plan and all that fun stuff, um, uh, building programs with the other RAs in my building. And it was always really fun. I really enjoyed them. Uh, it was always a good time, but I, so through RAing, residential advisoring, for those of you who don't know what an RA is, um, I got a lot better, I guess, at organizing and planning events. And thus it made some of my sustainability initiatives a lot easier for me. Um, so in different classes, like in my different sustainability classes that I had to take for my minor, I had to host different events. So one event that I hosted was a pop-up film festival. And it was about uh, sustainable food initiatives and different little documentaries that were on them. And I was able to get it catered uh, that was a little debacle, but I did get it catered and some of my friends came out to support and the environmental activist group, some of them came out to support, made me feel really happy. It was a nice time. Um, but yeah, it was about sustainable food and actually I had a little panel kind of discussion. I actually, one of the chefs who was in charge of all the sustainability at the a dining hall at Muhlenberg. He came to talk about different initiatives that Muhlenberg was doing. And then, of course, Dr. Niesenbaum, my advisor, was there, my supporter. Um, and he was there to uh, also talk about other things that Muhlenberg did through sustainability. And I actually felt really nice about it because one of my nice volleyball peeps, Brenna, told me afterwards that it made her think a lot about food waste and a lot of the things that she herself was doing, which made me feel kind of nice, knowing that I had at least a little bit of an impact on someone. Um, and then in other classes, I also did different events. I hosted an event, uh, a raffle and all the stuff with my one friend, uh, Madeline, for 
Berg bikes, where I think we actually raffled off a bike, a helmet, and a lock. Uh, and we hosted the event at the school in uh, the Parents Plaza in a nice open space. It was a good time. We did a bunch of different things in that class with hosting different events. I really don't remember all of them, but I always had a good time doing them. I'm actually uh, planning on trying to host my own event here uh, in the space by the lake where my husband and I rent out because I noticed that there is an invasive an invasive species hanging out in our lake, a uh, water chestnut. And there was quite a bit of it, and it was really a struggle for me to try and get it out this summer. So I'm going to see if I can host my own little uh, environmental uh, initiative little event and see how many people I can get to come out and come help me around my lake and try and clean it up and help out the different lily pad species that we have around here kind of spread themselves out maybe a little bit more and uh, yeah kind of get rid of this invasive species to the best of my ability. Um, oh and I thought I was going to finish up but I forgot when I flipped my notes that I actually have a little bit more that I wanted to talk about. Um, during my last semester of college not only was I it was the best semester of college ever, truthfully. Not only was I having a phenomenal time taking that botany class, I was also taking a conservation biology class. And I was also working as a conservation educator uh, intern at the Lehigh Valley Zoo. So first I'll mention the class that I talked about, uh, the conservation biology class. That class taught me how to read a scientific paper. Dr. Hyman, thank you so much. Um, she, by trade, is a marine biology professor, but she's also really into a lot of different things uh, in terms of the science world. She's really cool. She's awesome. But uh, anyway, going back to uh, the class, she uh, was really awesome. We got to do a research paper where we worked with a that group from the Lehigh Gap Nature Center because she was also the professor in charge of that class, the human use and abuse of the environment. Um, but so in the research paper that I got to do for this class, my Q culminating undergrad experience, uh, I actually ended up doing on the native plant gardens that were implemented in different schools in the Lehigh Valley and how the educators there felt, uh, well, if they were useful, if they were actually using them, what their school kind of did. And I got a couple responses. I mean, it's not like they really did it in a crazy amount of schools. I think there were seven total. I think I sent it out to maybe five of them because seven of them, two of them already said that they definitely didn't use them. I think I got three responses back. It wasn't horrible. It was pretty good. I thought it was really interesting. But in the actual literature and the research that I was doing, I found that a lot of schools that had done uh, garden initiatives in their schools where they've implemented, uh, whether it was native plant gardens or just or vegetable gardens, any kind of garden that they've had in school, they've seen that children actually really respond very well to it. And that's kind of now kind of my goal in life, I think would be really cool to be like an environmental teacher, a garden teacher, um, get kids outside, uh, really open their eyes and see in real life how science works. Uh, for me, I felt that it 
really didn't hit me how much or how much better it was to learn outside, how much I enjoyed learning outside and learning about the different things outside the actual uh, nature, the actual trees and all that stuff until I got to college and was studying in the field and various places. And I want to share that experience with the youth. Um, and so through that, I also, of course, like I said, was working at the zoo and I truthfully, I would never have started working uh, for the zoo if it wasn't for my friend Austin, who I met in Panama, a uh, great, phenomenal man, truly an amazing guy. He actually works uh, in the marine world. So even though we are into two different things, he's still pretty dope. He uh, saves manatees and sea turtles and all that fun stuff. And I just think he's an amazing guy, uh, as I've said multiple times now. Anyway, but while I was at the zoo, I was working with different turtles. We got, we actually had a fennec fox, a skunk, some ferrets, a groundhog. I got to work with different birds of prey, different parrots, a bunch of different types of lizards. Uh, one of them was an Australian tegu. Got to work with different snakes, big and small. Uh, it was really fun. And in this zoo job, our job was to work with our animal ambassadors and we would present them to uh, one people at the zoo we would have shows at the zoo uh, I also got had the amazing experience of getting to go to a local school in the Allentown area and presenting animals to these kids at the schools there and I also got to go um, I got to go on a trip down over to a little bit closer to Philly uh, where there was a Harry Potter festival and I got to present animals uh, on a stage at a Harry Potter festival and it was a little bit terrifying but also really really fun and I, I really enjoyed that experience. Actually, when I first got out of college, that was what I wanted to do. And I do think that maybe there is that avenue. I mean, for me, I just really think that I'm interested in education and the environment and any job where I can teach kids uh, about at least a little bit about the environment is good for me. Uh, right now, I'm actually working as a substitute teacher and one of the the things that some of the, I would say the sixth grade class in this one school seems to know about me is that I sometimes have some fun facts about animals due to my days back at the zoo and my reading habits. So I shared with them some fun facts about bees one time and turtles and some other random things that I have stored in my head. And now they think I'm kind of cool, which I really appreciate. So, uh, but yeah. I really enjoy it, uh, and that's all I have for today. Um, sorry, I kind of just talked predominantly about myself. The uh, Not predominantly, it was the entire time. But uh, I'm hoping that my story can also kind of inspire others who maybe are going into school and they, or they, you just got into school and you're at a place where you think you're, maybe you're going down the wrong path and you're freaking out or you aren't really sure where the heck you are going to go in life. Just relax, man. Uh, I thought, I thought I had my whole entire life planned out for me. Uh, when I got into college, I would thought I was going four years undergrad, four years of med school, however many years of residency and fellowship and blah, 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 blah. Um, I thought I had that whole life mapped out 
And that completely changed. And that's okay. And my life, my dream job has been changing and changing and changing. And I think for the last couple of years, it's really stuck on this environmental education route. And I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, I also want to do a quick little shout out to my friend, Ash Malik, who has tar- started some Ash Talks. She sent uh, uh, sent me one the other night. Uh, she's a really, really cool girl. Met her on New Year's this year. She's awesome. We totally had no idea that we were both into research and sustainable development and all that stuff. Um, so I'm hoping that one day I can kind of either get her on the show or involve her Ash Talks uh, with you guys in some way. Uh, but yeah, so uh Stay tuned uh, for the next couple weeks for some more fun Herbs Herbarium episodes. See you next time.